It's just this feeling of discomfort and like, I got to do something with it. And so you turn to Netflix or maybe even food like me or even drugs or alcohol, right? I mean, as entrepreneurs, especially medical entrepreneurs, you're taking on a lot of responsibility. So I would imagine a lot of people are even turning to drugs and alcohol. How do we as medical professionals create the life of our dreams and still impact the lives of our patients? My name is Dr. Adam Sewell, and I'm here to show you how to break free of the traditional healthcare system that has you overworked and underpaid. If you're ready to join us, visit freedomthroughprosperity.com. But for now, let's get into today's episode. Hey, Katie, we're so glad to have you back. Welcome back to the Medical Entrepreneur Podcast. We have with us Katie Richardson. How have you been, Katie? Adam, it's so good to be here. I'm doing amazing. I'm excited to help people understand ultimately how to experience the growth and progress that they're searching for. So, Man, that's awesome. Uh, one of the things that I see a lot when I talk to uh, medical entrepreneurs is there's a lot of people that are limited kind of by their own false beliefs. Like they maybe have been told something is a certain way um, and they've never tested it for themselves or you know, like uh, just one example, I remember there was a, a guy who really wanted to have his own practice, but he was working for a hospital mm-hmm. and um, he kept saying how he couldn't leave the safety of the hospital. And when I asked him about the hospital, they had just gone through a round of layoffs. And I said, well, is the hospital really safe? And he had never, he'd never even considered that because it's just always been programmed into him that, you know, having a job is safe. You know, that kind of thing. You know, you work with so many different entrepreneurs, you know, you're a coach for them and guide them, you know, to, to basically building, you know, their, you know, their empires. Do you find this is, is a kind of a, a major issue for a lot of entrepreneurs? So it's so funny when you're talking to somebody and you're really, you know, the people that I work with have a very complex, not just business, but life, right? They also have a spouse and kids and maybe they're active in their church and they're trying to take care of their own personal health. There's so many things going on. And each of those variables is dynamic. They're all moving. And, you know, when we actually distill down, what is the thing that's preventing you from being able to move forward? It's actually all in the head. And and I'll give you an example. So I was talking with an individual for 45 minutes, by the way, kind of deconstructing what was going on in his life. And I had to pause after about 45 minutes. I was like, okay, I think I see the whole picture. Like, let me make sure I'm, I'm hearing you correctly. What I'm hearing you say is you're working 120 hours a week. Your business partner is working zero. Oh, and by the way, that business partner is your uncle. And so to separate from your partner would send your mom into a mental health break into the hospital. And you're active losing your best employees, including a former employee who's trying to sue you for a million dollars, right? All of those things are happening and you come home at the end of the day and your wife wants to know why you're not being present with your three and two-year-old. Am I hearing you correctly? And it's just like, like when you actually see and you, you see the landscape of the complexity of what happens when we're a business owner, of course, you're overwhelmed. Of course, you, you feel painted into a corner. And, you know, this particular entrepreneur that I was telling you about, he just, he was riddled with constraint, right? If I, if I separate from my business partner, that sends out this domino effect that puts my mom in the hospital, right? If I, you know, really take up the reins with the team, I'm going to keep losing my best employees. I'm driving them away right now because I'm pushing them really hard. And so everything was so tightly wound that it just, it was nearly impossible to make any moves. And so 
what he ended up doing, which is what so many hardworking, disciplined entrepreneurs do, is he just continued to add things to his plate and put things on his shoulders, which had him, like I said, working 120 hours a week. And it feels like there's no way out of this. And the reality is, Adam, there is a way out, but it starts, it starts here and it starts with your thoughts. More specifically, it starts with your beliefs, right? Because he was believing that if he separated with his business partner, AKA his uncle, that that would send his mom into a mental health break. And so we had to work with those beliefs and then we had to make changes in his reality in order to actually make those, those changes. Wow. So it's funny how many things are perception. And, you know, I've always, you might've heard the story. Um, they have this kind of, kind of like a mythic story. They say it's like the, the story of the Chinese farmer where there's a farmer, um, and he has all these horses and the horses break, break away. And they, they, like one of his major horses, like breaks away and runs away and disappears. And all the neighbors are like, Oh, you're so unfortunate. You lost your horse. Then like the next day, the horse comes back, but when it comes back with a pack of other wild horses and they all go into the stable. So now he has like, you know, five horses out of one. And then they were like, Oh, you're so lucky that happens. And then his son like breaks his leg, uh, trying to, trying to like get the horse, uh, you know, shoot or whatever. Um, and they're like, Oh, you're so unfortunate. Your son broke your leg. Then the military comes and drafts all able-bodied, uh, young men for the military. And because he has broken leg, he was left out and now he's fortunate again. So you have this kind of up and down. But it's amazing how much of our life is based on these perspectives. And many times we don't really know that that's true. And I love that example you gave because just like that guy, he's assuming his mom would go into this mental, uh, you know, breakdown or whatever. But the reality is, I wonder if he even ever talked to her about it. Right. And see, that was, that was part of the issue. He was too afraid to talk to her about it because he believed she was so delicate and fragile. And so the thing that I want everybody listening to see is we can get in this trap in a delusion inside of our own head. And we have these thoughts that are actually beliefs that we're holding to be true. And because we hold those to be true, it like becomes these if, if, if then chain reaction in our head. And, you know, this same client just recently, he been, he's been working with me for two years now. And I could tell he was in a place of fear. And this is what I want people to see. These beliefs can fit into one of two camps, okay? Our beliefs. They either have us running from something that we're afraid of, or we have a belief that is like a beacon pulling us through the darkness, pulling us through the unknown, and has us excited, propelled forward towards something that we're, we're actually wanting, right? So we're either running from something or we're, we're being pulled towards something that we want. And so often, we can be, without realizing it, we're in this state that I call frantic energy because we're running from something that we're afraid of. And you can never build a significant, productive, well-oiled machine when what you're trying to do is just get away from something that you're afraid of, right? We have to have a vision of where it is that we're going. And he was in this place where he was just continually running from hurting his mom, running from, you know, hurting his employees, right? And and therefore taking on too much on his plate, running from upsetting his wife and his kids. And we had to start building a vision of where he was going. 
I think that's so important, uh, especially like I, I see that a lot where there's a lot of people who maybe they want to accomplish something in their life, but when you really sit down and you talk to them, they don't believe that they can really do it. Well, like they're, they're trying to do it and they're assuming the belief will come, but I, I see this a lot. And, and I remember um, there was one story I'd heard and it was about um, a golfer and um, I forget which one it was, it was like a world famous golfer. And um Trying to trying to remember exactly who uh, <laughs> I forget it was, it was like one of the most famous golfers and basically there was a story of him he gave a speech and he was talking about how he had done so well in his golf career and someone in the audience said you know hey I remember uh, during this game uh, during this time you made all these mistakes and like you did really bad and he basically said like hey I I don't re- I don't remember that you're mistaken and and so some people said well you know hey, this guy's dishonest because he actually did that did happen to him but. On the other hand, what the lesson that was told to me by someone who was actually a golf pro was that the reason is that that guy never remembered any of his mistakes because he only wanted to put into his mind only the positive things. So even when he referenced himself, he only saw himself as a winner without making mistakes, even though in real life he did make mistakes. Um, he just didn't want to put that into his mind because so much of what we do is, is based on our own perception, you know? Yeah. Yes. And so we have to take a moment to look at our thoughts, very specifically, we have to look at what we're believing about yourself, about your profession, about your ability to deliver on the promises that you're making to people, about your relationships with your family, your spouse, your kids. You need to start looking at what am I believing right now? Because you're holding beliefs that may or may not be true. It doesn't, it almost doesn't even matter. It's just, what do you believe to be true? Okay. When you hold that to be true, how does it make you feel? So to go back to my client, um, I'll actually use somebody who's in the medical industry. One of my clients is a, a, an exceptional surgeon. And when he came to me, he was like, Katie, I feel like I need to hide every day. Now, this is a guy who is on very exclusive medical boards. He is sought after to, to speak in his industry. He's sought after by clients who need help with reconstruction and work that almost no surgeon would take that case on. And yet he's really good at it. So why in the world does this guy who's so exceptional at what he does, why does he feel like he needs to hide? Well, it turns out what happens to almost any, anybody who's in the medical industry knows this reality. It's not a matter of if, but when at some point in your medical career, somebody is going to take advantage of the legal system and they're going to start making unrealistic accusations of you and, and come after you for your money essentially and, and put a case against you. And this was happening to him and it was unbelievable what was, what people were accusing him of. And his fear was, well, maybe that's true about me. And if that's true, then I shouldn't be promoting myself. I shouldn't have people on my operating table. And, and so when he, even when he was home, rather than, you know, sitting at the date, dinner table and engaging with his wife and engaging with his daughter, he would like be off in his room watching Netflix because it was too uncomfortable to face that belief. Whether again, whether or not it was true, it was too uncomfortable to face that. And so he found himself doing other things with this time, including his work, right? He became really addicted to his work and being in the operating room. And then the moment he wasn't in his operating room, he was just frantic and anxious and he just wanted to hide. He just wanted to hide. And 
you know, when he and I started working together, we had to start peeling away of what are you believing about yourself right now? And is that true? And whether or not it's true, how do you feel when you believe that? And he would say things like, I want to hide. I, I want to tell, refer people to another doctor. I don't want to publicly announce that I'm on medical boards because I don't want to make myself a target. I don't even want to talk about my services to potential clients because what if they find out there's a case against me? Right. And, and, you know, all of these things were ultimately what I was talking about previously. They were be- rooted in a belief that had them running from something. Wow. And so we had to work together to get really clear on what it is you're doing for people and why that matters to you. Because when we start to do that, then we have a beacon that you you and your team are now focused on providing those services and you're wrapped around a mission that is a common mission that keeps you and the team aligned. Because ultimately that's what was happening is there was like, not only was there dissonance within himself is it was bleeding out into the team. And there was all this gossiping and backbiting and this undercurrent of dysfunction with his team. He's got a team of 20 plus individuals and there was all this gossip and whispering and, and people were mad at the operator, mad at him, mad at clients and customers, but it was all under the surface. It's all under the surface. And, and it, it, it starts at the top, starts at the top. He had so much dissonance and fear and incongruency within himself and how he saw himself. And we had to make that correct. We had to align him as an individual, what he believed in his head, what he was feeling in his heart. We had to create alignment between those two things first before we could create alignment with the team. And that's what we've been doing. I'm not sure if you're aware, but I think the statistics are that I think 70% of doctors that end up getting sued end up leaving medical practice. Like in terms of clinical practice, they may so like go sad. work for an company or something. Um, but it's, I believe it. It's really sad. And like you said, majority of these cases usually aren't for like really, you know, negligent things. They're oftentimes they're just people that are angry. They, they, they some people that do this for a living, you know, <laughs> like that kind of thing. So like in his case, it's not even his patient who's upset. It's her husband who says, Hey, there's something we can essentially take advantage of him here. Wow. And it's really sad because even the patient is very grateful that he took the risk and operated on her when nobody else would. And she's happy with the results. So it's just, it's like so maddening. I get it. I understand why he was in that place. It makes logical sense that he was feeling all of those things, but you can either continue to stay in that place of fear and, and running and hiding like he was, or you can like really put yourself in the driver's seat of your life. Cause ultimately he was reacting to life. He wasn't in the driver's seat. And so we like made a decision to put him in the driver's seat and like really be proactive in his life, move out of this place of fear and frantic energy and really align him and his team around a mission and clear values and really get focused on that. Man, that's a, that's such a great story. And I think there's so much uh, lessons you learned there. One of the things that I'd like to mention is I see this a lot with people. You mentioned before how he, you know, he, he basically took the interpretation that, Hey, I'm getting this lawsuit that therefore I'm so, something's wrong with me. Like I did something wrong, but then he started to do these activities like watching Netflix, like disappearing from uh, normal activities. Mm-hmm. And so um, I see this a lot with people that 
they may even have a desire. Like maybe they want to become the best, you know, whatever it is, like figure skater or something, right? And the thing though is that they, they know that in order to be the best figure skater, they need to go and like buy some skates and like practice and these kind of things. But instead they'll be watching Netflix. They'll, so, something will come up, something else will, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like these, mm-hmm. the, many times they'll fill up their schedule with all this other stuff than what they should be focusing on if, if their desire is true. Um, and so I don't like activities like that, you know, I kind of describe them as like buffering activities because like they don't want to take the, the motivation to, to like, you know, do the next step. How might you help somebody with that? Because I think there's a lot of people that suffer from that. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you know, Netflix itself is benign, right? The question is, why are you watching Netflix? Are you doing it to numb yourself? Are you doing it to distract yourself from the thing that you don't want to face? And for me personally, the thing that I do when I have something I'm running from, I turn to food. It's, it's just like, I love food. I love to cook. I love to bake. It's like a creative process. And so I can turn to food. And what I started to train myself and the same is true with my client. Like he was turning to Netflix. You have to start to train yourself. And this is going to be uncomfortable to confront the thing that you're trying to run from. Okay. Cause if you don't even know what it is that you're trying to run from, how in the world are you going to make any progress moving past it? If it's undefined. If it's undefined, well, good luck trying to figure out how to take care of that situation. Like there's nothing to grasp onto when it's undefined. And so with my client, when he would turn to Netflix to numb himself, I taught him to start asking the question, what do I not want to feel right now? It's not comfortable. Because here's the thing, Adam, it's in the subconscious. It's like in your nervous system. It's in your body. It's not necessarily visible to your mind. And so we needed to start bringing it to this place of visibility, AKA your consciousness, because that's where you can then do something about it. When it's just hiding and it's subconscious, you can't do anything about it. It's just this feeling of discomfort and like, I got to do something with it. And so you turn to Netflix or, or maybe even food like me or even drugs or alcohol, right? I mean, as entrepreneurs, especially medical entrepreneurs, you're taking on a lot of responsibility. So I would imagine a lot of people are even turning to drugs and alcohol. And so if you are looking at that saying, I have this pattern where things get uncomfortable. And so I numb myself with these substances or distractions, social media, Twitter, Netflix, you have to start looking at it. So you know what you're actually dealing with. What are, what are you running from? Can we look at that and, and confront that? And so the question that I ask myself is what am I believing right now? Okay. Cause there's a, a belief that you have that is causing you to feel this anxiety and you need to, you need to ask that from a neutral place. And I cannot underemphasize this. Oftentimes we can ask that kind of a question from a place of judgment. Yeah. Okay. And that immediately pulls us into to guilt and shame and more hiding, right? So we need to come out of hiding with ourself. And we need to say, what am I believing right now? And if you can ask yourself that from a neutral place, and it's not like, is it true? Is it not true? Am I that awful person? Am I not? We're, we're not even trying to analyze that yet. It's just, what are you believing right now? You don't even have to decide if it's a made up story or not. Just what am I believing right now? 
get that out onto paper. Okay. If you try and do this in your head, good luck. Like there are so many cracks and crevices, dark hiding places in our head. You're you're never going to deal with it in your head. Okay. I know you're smart. I know you're capable. I know you're brilliant and get out of your head, literally. And so write it down on paper. And I have, I had this time where I was doing I follow my own advice, by the way. <laughs> At least I, I really try to. And there was this person I was working with and I was breaking all of my rules when it comes to working with a high performance individual. I was breaking all of my own rules and I had all these excuses and I started to realize I was in fear that I needed this client because they were going to get me a lot of attention and publicity. And if I lost this client, I would lose my chance to get all of that attention. So I did exactly what I'm telling people to do. The moment I started to realize that I was in this place of fear, I got out of my head and I wrote down the thing that I was afraid of. And I was like, is there anything else? And I was like, yeah, there's also this. (laughs) Okay. Anything else? Yeah, there's also this. (laughs) I wrote down like 12 things and it was like this chain reaction. It's funny. I don't know if you noticed me flipping through my journal. Like I take notes with all of my clients. I swear I just had it. I had this client who came to me and he's like, okay, Katie, I'm, I'm in fear right now. I'm running from something. And I was like, okay, well, what is it? Oh, here it is. Okay. (laughs) This is so good. I think everyone is going to relate to this. I said, what are you afraid? And it's funny because like at first it was really undefined. It was just general fear. But the moment he said one thing, then the whole list came out. And it was, I'm afraid we're going to have a big loss for the year in my company. And I was like, okay, what happens then? Well, well, then I'm going to have to pass that on to my investors. So then my investors will have a loss. And then my investors are going to leave me. When my investors leave, then I can't make payroll. Then the company has losses. Then I have to make cuts. Then the company doesn't survive. Then I have to unwind the company. The company is defunct. I'm a failure. I'm a fraud. I'm not a man of integrity. Can you see that chain of reaction, chain reaction, right? And do you think he was aware of this at all? Or like he, he just, he just felt like a kind of a nervous energy. No. Yeah. He came to me. <laughs> it's funny. Cause like I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a strategist. I can talk business. And sometimes I can tell an entrepreneur is using business and strategy as a distraction. And I'm like, what's really going on? And that's why what I do with entrepreneurs is so effective is yes, sometimes they do need to talk strategy, but I can feel it in my body if they're, if they're in that place of running and hiding, I can feel it. And so I pull out of the trap of strategy, which oftentimes in my conversations, it is a trap. And he's just, he's, he's learned because we worked together for so long. He was like, okay, Katie, I'm carrying a fear. Let's talk about it. He's like, let's confront it. And that's when the whole, whole thing came out. And what's so interesting, Adam, is just if you can write all of those things out, that is like 85% of the work of moving past it, honestly. When you can see it on paper like that, it's like, oh, the thing that I say to people is this. He just listed like 12 things that would happen in the future. Adam, when have you or anybody you known ever been good at predicting the future, especially 12 steps into the future. (laughs) Like none of us are good at predicting the future. And especially our mind rooted in fear is never good at predicting the future. And yet he was believing it all as if it was truth. You know, Katie, that really brings up a great, a great uh, lesson there. Cause I was just thinking about like, you know, when they train people to race cars, 
what they do is they like they'll put them in the the kind of the racing car, right? And then they have a, a trainer with them. And the first thing they do is they try to get them into a spin where they spin into the wall because it's like the most dangerous thing to happen in racing. And the the coach then takes the guy's head, like whoever's training, takes the head and they actually push it so they don't look at the wall and they look at the road because they know if they look at the road, they'll stay on the road. And I've seen this repeat over and over. Like it's happened the same thing with mountain biking, same kind of deal. Like if you're mountain biking and you see like two trees and you're like, man, is my bike going to fit through here? And you focus on the tree, you'll hit the tree. If you focus on the trail, you'll go through, you know? Okay. Let's talk about this. Cause there's, there's a lot more that you need to know and understand about this. You know, we were talking about fear and running, right? And what you're saying is the race car driver was focused on the road. What's the road for an entrepreneur? It's your future vision. It's where you're headed. It's that beacon that's pulling you forward through the chaos, through the noise, through the darkness. And, you know, as you are living the complexity of being a medical entrepreneur, you have to really look at yourself and and say, am I just, do I have a checklist of things that have to be done? Or am I oriented towards something that I'm excited about and that lights me up? And I specifically... Too often, I see entrepreneurs set goals and targets that are only business related. And that would mean you're a one-dimensional person, that all that matters to you is business. And that's it. And this goes back to beliefs, which is, and you have some belief then if I get to X amount of dollars of revenue, which often is a million dollars, by the way, if you've never hit a million dollars, that's the target. If you've hit a million, then it instantly goes to 10, then it goes to 50, then it goes to 100. Oh, okay. Shit. That number will always keep rising. And I learned this really early on in my own personal experience. My life was chaos and I just had to keep sprinting until I got to a million and then things would calm down. And then I would finally be patient with my kids. And then I would magically have time for date night with my husband. And then I'd have time to say prayers and read scriptures. <laughs> okay. And we've like, we all do this. And, and so the reality is not only do you need a plan in your business, you need a plan that takes into consideration the fact that you're a multidimensional person, that business and revenue and money is not the only thing that matters to you. And if this is news to you, <laughs> hello, welcome to reality. Because money, money matters. It absolutely does, right? Money provides resources. It pays the bills. It feeds the family. It creates safety, right? Money's important. But you know what else matters? Meaning. I mean... You, you need things that are fulfilling, purposeful and meaningful to you in your life. I'm, I'm working with a woman right now who's built an $11 million business. And she's like, Katie, I'm derailing the whole thing. She's about, she's about 12 to 18 months from an exit that would potentially put $25 million personally in her pocket. Katie, I'm derailing the whole thing because it's meaningless to me right now. It's meaningless. Yeah. It's just busy work. And I can't take it anymore. She's right on the, right on the finish line. It's like in sight. She's derailing the whole thing. Why? Cause it's meaningless to her. It's lost its purpose. Okay. So you have to have meaning in what you're doing, right? You're working hard. You're sacrificing. You're disciplined. There's got to be meaning to it. Okay. And then the second thing is that you've got to experience momentum. 
I want to feel like I'm growing, like I'm making progress, whether that's revenue, whether that's in my relationships, whether that's in my spirituality, whether that's in my physical health. So those are kind of the three core things that people are looking for, the money, the meaning, and the momentum. And if you're missing any one of a lot, a lot of times people can become one dimensional, right? We, we all know the super spiritual people who life's all about meaning and, it, and it's like, and can you feed your family? <laughs> right. Or the people who have only been focused on business and it's like meaningless. And then they're scrolling Netflix at night or going to the bar on the way home and getting drunk because it's all just so meaningless. Right. And so. You've got to acknowledge that as a human being, you need all three of those things, which means your future vision and your plan for how to get there has to incorporate all of those things. And that's where people often fall short is they have a plan that's one dimensional and it's only focused on the business. And I, what, what I teach people to do is to bring those other innate drives and desires that you have, bring that to your business strategy. And it's really cool what happens. Like one, one of my students who I was walking her through this process, she was in survival mode. That's how she described it. I'm in survival mode. I can't take it anymore. And what she started to experience just from one conversation about integrating meaning and momentum into her business is she was like, I feel unstoppable now. Just in an instance, like we, we flipped a switch. Now, what happens when you go from being in survival mode to all of a sudden believing, right? Believing that you're unstoppable. We switched our beliefs instantly by integrating these things into her vision and her strategy. Wow. That's, I think you got a really great point there. Um, one of the things that I've also noticed is like, for example, with the, the example you gave before, where the guy was kind of focusing on the potential negative thing that could happen is kind of like the guy, you know, the car driver, like staring at the wall, like, will that not just naturally occur because he's focused on it as well? I mean, isn't that kind of what you focus on? Or do you find that most of your clients, like whatever they focus on is what they kind of kind of end up creating, I guess? It's human nature. It's just, it's human nature to be aware of potential dangers. It's a survival mechanism that your brain uses. And it's like the first thought that comes to your mind. And our mind thinks in really simplified binary ways, especially right in the beginning. It's either I do this and it all works out or, or I don't and it all goes to hell. And it's just like, it's, it oftentimes our mind can say it's either one or the other. And what I teach people to do is to remember and create a place that I call infinite possibility, which is option three. Often our brain just sees yes, no, good, bad, right, wrong, black, white. It's just, it's, it thinks in those hyper simplified binary, good, bad type scenarios. And there's actually a lot of beauty in the nuance and in the details. And if you can understand how to create a new path forward that your mind didn't maybe see right immediately at the beginning, but you know how to create that, then all of a sudden you're in this exciting new place where what didn't seem possible previously all of a sudden is your life and your reality. And I'll actually go back to that client that I talked about who was working 120 hours a week and just really painted into a corner and super constrained he and I started working together in October and by December 
He was on vacation with his family in Park City, playing in the snow with his kids, didn't even bring his laptop, and for two and a half weeks, wasn't even hopping on meetings or client calls. And not only did the company not fall apart, and you know we set things up to be able to do that ultimately, but he had his best month of sales ever. And it was just like, you know, just three months prior, it was like, it's all gonna crumble and fall apart. And I worked with him to integrate this future vision and bringing purpose and meaning to his strategy so that he could implement it in a way where it was exciting, it was fun, it was energizing. And I mean, we don't have to go into this, but like I have a whole process for helping people do this. My My system is called a compass sketch and compass meaning it really pays attention to that inner drive that you have. We all have something that we want really deeply and very profoundly and we're not, and and there's like huge fuel connected to that. If you can connect that to what you're doing in your business, you become so unstoppable. And what also happens is it elevates your brand. It separates you from your competition because that thing that we're talking about, is really personal to you. And you're unique. There's no other Adam Sewell out there, right? And you're the only one who has this unique suite of gifts and talents and experiences. And so if we bring that to the business strategy, it separates you from your competition. And all of a sudden you just become unstoppable, like what my client was saying. So you have to connect with that inner compass. And then the other thing that the other component that my compass sketch system has is going back to what I was saying previously, when have you ever been good at predicting the future? And too often we sit in, you know, our office with the 10 foot whiteboard planning out the next 12 steps. <laughs> and like, we're going to do this and this and this and this. And then you start moving through and something unexpected pops up and it derails the whole thing because surprise, you weren't good at predicting the future. And so what if, what if the plan was founded on principles? And so that when the, and and we planned for the unexpected, oh, there it is. Okay. Now, given this mission, given these values, how are we going to navigate this thing? So rather than being derailed and saying, and throwing the plan out saying it didn't work and we've got to start over. What if your plan actually helped you course correct when the unexpected showed up? What if it was planning for the unexpected? That's what people need, especially if you want to move from this place of running from what you're afraid of to really being pulled forward by a future vision. That's what you need. You need a plan founded on principles. That's a really great point because I I know there's a lot of people, even some people listening now that might just feel like, hey, they have that frantic energy. They're not sure what to do. They might be, you know, trying to buffer by using Netflix, you know, drinking too much, whatever. And then to take the first step for them is the first step to like sit down and then say, Hey, you know, let's go ahead and plan out like how I'm going to deal with the situation or what would you advise? Okay. I'm going to ask two questions and they might sound really simple, but it, it might take you a while to answer these questions. And when I say you, I'm, t- I'm not just talking to you, Adam, I'm, I'm talking to you and the audience who's listening to us right now. The two questions that you want to ask yourself is what do I want? What do I really really want. Sometimes we can sign ourselves up to do something that we think we should do or that we're supposed to do. And I lived a good portion of my life out of obligation doing those things. And when I first asked this question, what do you want? It terrified me, scared me to death. I was like, I don't know. I want to do what God wants me to do. (laughs) So that's what my answer was. (laughs) 
it was just too scary. I'm like, you want me to take on responsibility for what I want? That's, that's terrifying. What if I mess up? What if I want the wrong thing? So start asking that question. What do you want? And if that, if, if like me, it's like too scary and it's too terrifying and, and you, you are struggling to answer that, then you can start with what do you not want? Get those things out first then. Um, because once you get those out, it starts to direct you towards what you actually do want. And maybe you could ask questions like, if you did know what you want, what might that look like? That's a good way to flank yourself. Sometimes if you're really direct, I use this all the time. <laughs> you want to flank yourself. Sometimes if we're really direct, that part of us that is afraid and feels like it needs to hide, it hides even more if you, if you try to approach it really directly. So, you know, if I did know what I wanted, what might that look like? That's a good way to start to approach it in a more gentle way. And so that's the first question. What do you want? And then the second question is, why does that matter to you? And the answer to that, this might sound crazy. The answer to that can be found in the pain of your past. And that might surprise people. There's something that you experienced in your life. Maybe it's a really acute experience that happened, or maybe it was gradual over time, but there's something that's painful for you about your past. And if we can bring meaning to that experience of the past and turn it into something that's really productive, that is so fulfilling and so rewarding. And I'll give you an example. I, I grew up in a really busy home. And when I was three, my mom had twins. You can see this already makes me emotional. And from a really young age, I was just kind of on my own. My parents were doing their best, but I've come to find out that I was very emotionally neglected, which is interesting. And it's its, its own form of abuse, but it's weird because it's totally invisible. Totally invisible. So I grew up believing that I didn't matter and that I can't speak up because I don't matter. And I was afraid to speak up. I was afraid to be heard. And so what I do is I help people to be seen in the world. And I connect with really incredible entrepreneurs who are exceptional at what they do, like the surgeon. He's, he's literally one of the best in the world and he's afraid to be seen. And I know what that feels like. And yet our world needs him and other incredible doctors like him. You know, surgeons, it has, they have the highest rate of narcissists <laughs> in surgery. And like, we need exceptional men and women who are grounded in truth, who really are trying to help people to heal and not just seeking personal gain. We need those people. We need these incredible doctors. We need these incredible medical professionals. And yet, they're experiencing so much opposition that they're pulling back and they're, they're hiding because they're, they're believing that they are not worthy of being seen. And so, you know, he and I connected on that, that plane, right? Even though I'm not a surgeon, I don't know what that's like to have somebody's life in my hands. I've never experienced that, but I know what it's like to feel like I need to hide. And so I could really connect with him on that, in that way. And I know what it's like to rebuild his confidence and to help him tell the truth. You know, when I was talking to him the other day, we had our session and I could tell he was in a hotel room and I was like, where are you? And 
he was like, I'm in LA and I'm at this meeting. He was, he kept being really short and I had to keep asking more questions. Long story short, he's on this very exclusive board for a medical products manufacturer. They only talk to six doctors a year where they show their latest innovations and they, they get their input on them. And not only is he one of the six doctors on this board, the whole meeting that only happens once a year is designed around his schedule. When he replies and says, sorry, I can't make that, that date, they move the meeting for him. And yet he also was believing that he doesn't deserve to be a doctor, that he doesn't deserve to be heard. And I said, why, why in the world are they designing their meeting around you? And he said, because I'm not afraid to speak the truth. I'll speak the truth regardless of consequences. I was like, yes, that's who you are. Not the guy who has to go hide and, and scroll Netflix. No, that's not you. You're the guy who's not afraid to tell the truth regardless of consequences. And so we've had to rebuild his confidence and his, his identity and who he is. Man, that's so powerful. Cause I mean, I can, I can definitely see how people, especially over time could even develop like a false identity, you know, just to please others around them or because the environment, you know, shaped it that way. Like I, I noticed a lot of times you know, people are somewhat, you know, programmed by, you know, the mainstream kind of system, main, mainstream education system to behave in certain ways that are perhaps even unnatural to them, you know, uh, and I can totally see that. That's, that's a great, that's a great example. Wow. Yeah. So I know we've talked about a lot of things, Adam, and sometimes it can feel really kind of big and intangible. And I, I, I want to take a second and kind of remind everybody what we are realizing in this conversation. And I think one of the greatest realizations is that you have way more power than you realize because the obstacle that is preventing you from the growth, the momentum, the meaning, even the money that you want, the obstacle is a thought. It's a belief. It's inside your own head. And what's so incredible is that means that you have control because if there's a belief inside your head that you're believing, we can change that. We can mold it. We can shape it. And what I help my clients see is that thing that you're believing is actually a lie. And I, I just gave an example of my client, right? That he felt like he needed to hide and that he didn't deserve to be on doing any surgeries, right? And yet reality was proving otherwise. If we just looked at the facts, the facts were actually you're exceptional <laughs> and you're sought after by experts in your own industry. And so he was believing a lie that he had been telling himself. And so by flipping that thought, and there's a whole process, it's not easy to do on your own, but what I showed us is, okay, if you're going to start trying to do this on your own, you have to get out of your head, write it out on paper. And you, you ask that question, what am I believing right now? And when you start to look at it with your own eyes, that's when you can start to do something about it. Right. And then the other piece is, if you're trying to grow your business by only focusing on the business, that's not acknowledging the reality, which is you're multidimensional. You not only want money. Yes, we want money. I want you to be crazy, filthy rich. And I want you to experience meaning. And I want you to also experience momentum. And those things show up in your relationships with your spouse, your relationship with your kids, your relationship with God, right? Those, that's where those things all show up. And so it's about really understanding those many targets 
And then understanding how to integrate them into a plan where you're making progress on all of those things at the same time, rather than just like feeling scattered and trying to grasp at lots of different things. Man, this that's so true. I know in my own personal experience, like a lot of times, like when there's something that holds you back and you can come to the realization that that's actually what's holding you back, then it's just like everything just kind of falls away because it's such a more solvable problem, you know? And um, I think the whole thing about, you know, the fact that many of the things that people don't want to face is, is are in their own head, which initially sounds kind of scary, but then you realize that because it's own in your own head, like you're exactly right. Like you have the power to actually fix it. Yeah. Oftentimes I, I should warn people of this. When you start to look at your own thoughts, you can start to really beat yourself up too, right? Oh man, I did that again. That was so stupid. I shouldn't do that. And then we, then we feel pain again. And then we go to the drugs or alcohol or Netflix. And so it's about really understanding how to confront it, but from that neutral place, like I was talking about previously, without the judgment, without the shame. And the phrase that you can say to yourself is, Oh, isn't that interesting? And if you can stay in that place engaged with yourself and your thoughts and your belief, and that's when you start to really become in charge of your life and not in that trap of hiding. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, you bring up a really great point, which is also that, you know, many times people are very hard on themselves and, and don't even offer themselves the same kindness they might even offer a stranger. And I remember there was actually one case where um, there was a lady who uh, lived in the retirement community. And the retirement community had these very restrictive rules. She moved in there, didn't like it herself. She really wanted to, to you know, she, she didn't want to be there, I guess. And then the thing that got her to move wasn't because of any of her own wishes or her own needs, but her cat couldn't uh, walk outside or something that had some kind of rule like that. Because the animal uh, couldn't get what the animal wanted, the lady actually moved, but she wouldn't move for herself. So her animal was actually more important than herself, you know? Um, and it's just like, I see this a lot where people have almost like a, especially in medicine, a sacrifice or martyrdom syndrome where like, I need to give and give and, and you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, could you maybe talk more about like how you've maybe encountered that and, and how to overcome it? I run into this all the time with my clients. It shows up as a martyr. It shows up as Superman. It's all up to me, right? If I don't grow this business, then my clients lose their paycheck. And it's that whole cascade of events that I read from my client's list. And so I'm going to give you a little trick here. I don't usually like tricks, but I'm going to give you a little trick. Because oftentimes if we have a belief that has us rooted in fear, then kind of the quick solution is to take on the opposite. And I'll give you an example. I was in a season of my life years ago where every minute of every uh, of every day was scheduled, okay? Between work and kids and other responsibilities, it, there was no wiggle room. And <laughs> life would happen as it does, right? It took, took 10 minutes to get her shoes on for my daughter at the time instead of none, right? <laughs> Which is what I was planning for. And so I had noticed myself over and over saying, I don't have time. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. I'm running late. I'm behind. It, it was all these uh, beliefs around time and how I was running out of time and I was behind. And I, I could tell I was super frantic and I was like, what's my way out of this? And as I journaled about it, I knew that I needed a deeper connection with God and that that needed to be turned into a practice, like a ritual. 
And listen, I'm a girl who prays and reads her scriptures and goes to church on Sundays. I'm like, okay, where else? How am I going to add to this? And the impression I had was that I needed to attend a special ceremony at temples that we have once a month. And I'm like, I don't have time for that. That My aunts, like immediately that belief came in. I don't have time for that. And what I had to do is exactly what I'm teaching you. I actually pulled out of that immediately making assumptions and I had to shift that belief. And even though I didn't believe it at the time, I knew conceptually, Adam, that words are powerful. And so when I was saying, I don't have time for that, it was more of a declaration than it was a statement of fact. It was a declaration. And I was like, well, but I want to have time for it. And I want to fit God into my life. And I want that deeper connection. And so I flipped it. So rather than saying, I don't have time to go do this once a month, I said, I don't have time to not go do this once a month. I didn't know what the answer was yet. I didn't know how it fit into my life. Okay. But I, I started with that shift in belief. And it was only a couple days later that I was at church and a woman stood up in the front of the room and said, Hey, I'm divorced and I'm really busy and I've been feeling like I want to go to the temple more. And so I found out they do a 5 a.m. session on Tuesdays. Who wants to meet in the church parking lot at 4 a.m.? And we'll be back by 7.30 in time to take the kids to school. Guess whose hands shot up <laughs> in that meeting? Like the solution presented itself because I was asking a better question because I was actually, I shifted my belief to align with what I wanted. Previously, I was making a statement that I don't have time. There was no room for creativity for my mind to come up with a solution. But by shifting it to, I don't have time to not do this, all of a sudden I was looking for ideas, right? I was open to possibilities because I knew that I needed that in my life. And I was, I was shifting it in the belief. And the same is true with my client that I was just telling you about. Not like he, he was believing he needed to hide and he didn't deserve to have people on his operating table. <laughs> and after I was like, hold on a second, you're on this board with this manufacturer. Are you kidding me? And it was like, you can't be silent. There are so many people out there in the world who need your unique gifts. You're very skilled at some things that almost nobody else in the world is skilled at. You need to be speaking up. You need to be more seen. There are people out there who need your help. Man. That's, and it seems also. So flipping it to the opposite. Yeah, exactly. And I was about to say, like, I, I think this is very, very common in medicine where there's a lot of people who, um, they, by anybody else's measure, they've achieved very high levels of success. But to themselves, they feel, you know, empty. They're meaningless, as you, as you mentioned before, that one of three M's, but also just like, if they were to judge someone else, they'd judge that person so much easier than they judge themselves. But almost like they're so hard on themselves, you know? Right. Right. Do you feel like that like stems from like kind of like an unworthiness um, kind of situation? Because I see this a lot where people have to like prove themselves, you know? A big part of what I do with entrepreneurs is we, we look at your core beliefs about yourself and we rewrite those. Those were written when you were really young, when you literally were like five years old. And the way that you view yourself is often rooted in that five-year-old place. I'm bad and I don't deserve this and I've done things wrong and I'm not smart and I'm invisible, right? And so it's about really updating that software and that belief on yourself and your identity. And it's, it's really putting yourself in the driver's seat and saying, what do I want to believe about myself or who do I want to be? And really updating that personal identity and belief. And 
you know, so much of what we've talked about, Adam, there's, there's so many things and it can be a little bit overwhelming. And it's where do, where do I start, Katie? Where do I start? And where I start with people is actually something that they're already currently doing, which is, well, like I'm trying to hit my goals. Okay. Let's start there. So if you have some goals and targets that you've been trying to go after and you haven't really been able to make a lot of progress on them, I can help you on that. And so I have a PDF where I kind of open your eyes to how you're approaching your goals. And I, I just make it really simple. And I'm like, do this and don't do this when it comes to setting out goals and targets. And you can go to now.katierichardson.com forward slash goal. And that's kind of a mouthful. So hopefully we can have a link to that in the notes and I can get you, help you get started on this. There's, there's many ways in which I can help you, especially as a medical entrepreneur. And I think working with what's kind of urgent and what's immediately in front of you, that's where I like to start. And so it's usually connected with some goals, progress that you're trying to make in your business. Let's start there. And I can show you how to do that. Get started. Well, wow, that's a great, that's a great resource. So for a lot of people that are maybe feeling frustrated, maybe they're stuck, maybe they're watching Netflix. The basically the first thing is to kind of realize what is it that you want, then get the goal sheet and then basically work on the goal sheet to set your goals that, that you can achieve. Okay. That will help a lot of people for sure. Yes. Awesome. You know, one of the things that I think a lot of people don't realize is what would you say the power differential, if it's possible to say that between someone who is truly aligned, like somebody you've worked with, you, they're, they're not hiding anymore. They're, they're being who they, they should be, like all their values are aligned versus someone who is not. What kind of can you compare and contrast like those two things? Yeah. What's interesting is the more somebody does this work, they definitely move way faster, but it's not because their life becomes perfect. It actually doesn't. Life never becomes perfect. What they get really good at is getting back on track when they've gotten off course. They recognize almost immediately when they've gotten off course and they're very quick to get back on course. And so it's this game of course correction and not a game of perfection and making all the right perfect decisions. Gotcha. That's the difference. And then so somebody who, for example, is, is in alignment, um, this is somebody who's like, you feel like they achieve much more success and they're happier versus someone who's maybe not. Oh, totally. A hundred percent. Um, it's a scary day when you achieve big sums of money and you realize how hollow and empty it is. It's terrifying for people. Yeah. And so when you can also add to that, the meaning and the momentum, it's so exhilarating. Life becomes fun. You're almost playing. And it's, it's just exciting. It's an, an adventure and it's not this slog through mud where it just feels like you're not really getting anywhere. Well, I could see how someone would generate totally different results when they're in a happy, you know, uh, you know, in alignment in, in like, you know, basically a, a playful mood. Cause you know, so it seems like whenever you're playful is like when you're the most creative as well versus somebody who's like doing the humdrum, got to do another day, another dollar, you know, like same as yesterday kind of thing. You have this kind of like downward, neg you know, kind of negative attitude. seems like it makes such a difference in, in the quality of, of life that people have. It does. Yeah. It's huge. And it improves your marriage. It improves your relationship with your kids. It, you, you feel grounded and centered in higher power, whatever that looks like for you, whether it's God or the universe. And, and even your health thrives, your energy, your sleep, like it's all, it's all massive improvement. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. 
Well, Bert, Katie, so if people want to find out a little bit more about you, or maybe they're interested in talking to you about, you know, maybe helping them through some challenges, what would be the best way for people to find out about you? I'm pretty active on Instagram. That's katie.live. And I also have a podcast where I talk about a lot of these things. I have case studies from my own clients. I share really specific examples and stories. And that podcast is whatsworkingnow.com. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Katie, for coming on the show. It's, as always, been enlightening. Uh, and it's uh, great to, to hear about all the to help, help so many people and hear about these you know, people you've been able to transform their lives. It's amazing. Thanks again for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome, Adam. You're an incredible person. You and I have been personally friends for years, and it's really exciting for me to get to come on and share value with your audience. So thank you. <laughs> oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening. As medical entrepreneurs, we have a saying, one vision, one purpose, freedom through prosperity. If you're ready to follow your destiny and break free of the mainstream medical system, join us at freedomthroughprosperity.com. See you next week.